Our leader will now share for 20 to 25 minutes describing what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now. Our leader for tonight is Carter. Hi, uh, I'm Carter. I'm a composable reader and a sugar addict. Hi, Carter. Hi. Um, I'm so grateful to have been asked to speak at this meeting. Um, I'm not a century person, so I haven't uh, done the amazing thing of losing that much weight, but I can say I've done everything that it would take to gain that weight. And while I can't imagine what it's like to be in another person's skin, um, I can definitely speak to the profound um, shame and self-hatred um, sense of feeling trapped and hopeless that I think many of us share regardless of the form of our compulsive overeating disease and regardless of our size. Um, so what it was like for me, um, I just spent a few days with my family on like what was called a vacation, but it was really more like, I felt like roadkill when I got home on Sunday and not through any fault of my family's, but just really being in that crucible of what it was like to grow up in a setting that would spawn a compulsive overeater. Um, you know, I, I took that environment and ran with it in my own way. But um, I did really appreciate just more than anything how jumbled up and confused and nonsensical I feel inside when I'm in an environment that is really unhealthy for me. And it feels like like being on acid and a roller coaster all at once. It's like horrible and distorted and thrilling and just dramatic. Um, but how that felt to me when I was younger, before I had program and before I um, was given just the gift of recovery, um, I've eaten out of the garbage. I've sat and obsessed about my appearance for so many hours that dates and events and friendships passed. Um, I've, of course, vomited a bajillion times, um, eaten until I was so much in pain in my abdomen I couldn't even walk. Um, I've tried the whole gamut of things to purge food out of one direction or another <coughs> in my body. Um, and all of that led to when I was, I guess, probably in my late teens, I dropped out of high school. And I don't usually talk about kind of my job life, but I want to in this meeting because I think it's really important to highlight that I'm not special. Um, I don't, I do believe that all of us are special in a way. I think that there's something really astounding um, and beautiful that makes up an addict. But I also think that without recovery, it's totally destructive and um, insufferable. But I kind of want to talk about the course of the grace I've been given because I want, I want to highlight, like, no matter where a person is right now, there's, there are miracles yet to be had. And one thing I love about the Century Meeting and I love about the people that I've seen come in and shed hundreds of pounds is to me that's a living manifestation. It's a visible manifestation for me of the miracles that are embodied in so many different ways in this program. Um, maybe my second year when I came into the rooms, 
I met a man who couldn't even walk in on his own limbs. He was so heavy and had arm braces and staggered into a meeting that doesn't even exist anymore. And I, I gave him a ride home, and I remember my car bottoming out, just going over normal pavement because the car was so heavy and having to get men on the street to help me get this man out of my car so he could go into his apartment. And in those first couple years of um, program, I watched him do what it takes, do what his sponsor told him, come to meetings, work the steps, work them again, work them when you're screaming and pulling your hair out, um, become humble. And that's not humiliated, but humble, um, willing to accept help. And I watched this man transform. So to me, that's just been indelible whenever I feel like I'm too stuck or too fucked up or not capable of being rescued out of whatever it is I'm in. I remember things like that. Um, so I dropped out of high school. I ran wild. I kind of pulled my shit back together but was still a raging addict. Um, I was addicted to all kinds of things, but in the end I realized I would take chocolate cake over crack every day of the week. And later in my life, that real choice of cake over crack made me realize these were the rooms I belonged in. Um, somehow in the midst of all of that, I got married. And I don't even really know how that happened. Um, I was a smoker, I was a raging binger and purger. Um, I, I really had no idea how to take care of myself and much less how to have meaningful or caring relationships. But somehow my husband found me and about a year into our marriage he said, I noticed that it takes you four or five hours to get ready to leave the house and that three to four of those hours are after you're fully dressed and ready to go. So like, what's going on? And it was only one version of all of the crazy I have felt and enacted, but what it was is that I would stand in front of the mirror and I had such profound dysmorphia that I couldn't bring myself, like the ugliness that I saw reflected in the mirror and that I felt so deeply in me, was so profoundly humiliating, I didn't want to leave my house. And I had somehow the strength to be honest with him and tell him, like, I'm so ashamed of how I look, I can't even imagine leaving the house with you and what that would be like for you to walk down the street with me. And he said, you know, I don't know what it is that you have, but he is in a different 12-step program. And he said, all I know is that 12 steps saved my life. So I suggest that you open the phone book, there were phone books back then, <laughs> that you open the phone book and just twirl your finger and pick a 12-step program and go and see what it has to offer. And so I did, and I went to the Saturday morning meeting on Hyde Street, and the first person I heard introduce herself um, claimed her seat as a sugar addict. And I had never heard that concept before. And it changed my whole life. Um, I just, it was like a thunderbolt. I knew that was who I was, and I knew I was in the right place. Um, I knew enough from my husband's program that addicts put things down and don't pick them up. And 
it was convenient, I guess, that it was sugar because it's not like so many of the other things that trouble me in this addiction, which are actually nutrients and food. Um, but with sugar, I, I put it down. And I remember walking through Walgreens um, the afternoon after that meeting, and I, I walked through the candy aisle, and I felt like my heart race and the sweatiness and the excitement. And somehow I also felt the insanity of it, like the, that tantalizing question of like, what can I eat? What have they come up with now that's made with, you know, palookachos or whatever new version of bullshit sugar that you can eat 50 pounds of and still be like a stick insect. And I want that thing and how I would search for it and test it out and it would fail. And then I'd hate myself. And then I would go back after I'd finally, you know, punished myself long enough to deserve a treat and that insanity. Um, so that was, I think, 15 years ago, and I have not eaten sugar since. Um, I eat fruit. Sometimes I'll drink a beer, um, but I, I don't eat candy. I don't eat baked goods. I don't eat things like that. Um, and what I will say is that for me, cutting out certain foods that really are at the heart of my insanity was absolutely essential. I'm I'm a hundred percent convinced that for me and my disease, if I continued to eat sugar, I would be on exactly the same path I was on the day I came in here. Um, I really do think that there are some things that in my body as an addict, whatever it is that they do, they completely separate me from what it takes to have a conscious contact with my higher power. And everything else that I need to do to live a sane life and live the promises and reap the rewards and contribute to the world, I need that conscious contact to do it. Um, so I put down sugar, but then there were many other things that I had to struggle through. Um, for a while, I weighed, thanks. For a while, I weighed and measured. Um, for a while, I called my food in. Um, I found a sponsor right away, and I did what I was told. Um, the sponsor I chose was probably 150 pounds over her healthy weight, but she had what I wanted, which was just the most gentle and beautiful sense of inner peace. And I don't know if she really had that or not, but to me she did, and she brought me through my first cycle of the steps and um, began to teach me how to live like a human being. Um, it was really through that that I started to figure out how to have courage, um, the difference between like superiority and self-esteem, um, what it felt like to be humble and what a gift that was rather than being humiliated. Um, I feel like I learned, began to learn like how to listen to people and celebrate other people's accomplishments, not as a reflection of me and in fact, not having anything to do with me. And those are really the gifts to me. Um, like, I know today that I'm not ugly, and I feel like I can dress becomingly and walk out of my house and feel a sense of um, self-esteem, but that is absolutely not the heart of what I get out of this program, and it's not what keeps me from shoving my face into a pile of you name it every day. Um, it honestly has nothing to do with my appearance that keeps me coming back to program. 
It has to do with the fact that there's one place in my life where I can sit at a table in front of people who I trust and truly be who I am. Um, it's that people can call me and they share their, I'm totally sorry, I'm going to cry, <laughs> that they can share their like deepest struggles with me. And it's an incredible honor. And it's an honor to learn the vocabulary to support other people. Um, not shame them, not belittle them, and not to receive that from other people in turn. Um, I feel like the life that program has given me is huge. It's so rich. I feel of such service, and I have so many people in my life that I love and that love me, um, but none of that would be possible without the things that I learn and am asked to do and am willing to do in program every day. Um, so what is it like today? Um, I don't, there are some food that I do weigh and measure, and I weigh and measure it because I really want to enjoy it as a healthy, wonderful food, and I can't do that left to my own devices. So I weigh a portion, I measure a portion, and then I enjoy the fuck out of it when I eat it. And I'm happy about that. I feel like that's one of the gifts, that I've learned a tool to allow me to enjoy something that the food is not the evil thing. The evil thing, if it's even evil, is just what my brain does with the knowledge that I ate that food. There's other foods that I negotiate about, and by that I mean, can I say specific foods here? So by that I mean like pizza. Like I've decided pizza for me is just a food, but I also understand that there's not any foods I should eat when the thought of eating them makes me feel sweaty and like I'm looking for heroin. Then I should not eat that food. But if I feel kind of indifferent about it, like it's just another choice on the menu, then I can eat that food. What's interesting is that when I feel that sense of like peace and calm, I don't want to eat pizza. I want to eat something healthy. And pizza's not healthy, you know. Um, so I think, I think that having guidelines around my food and honesty around my food has allowed me to have contact with other people and with a higher power that helps me navigate all the other stuff. Um, just this week, I had two like really tremendous things happen at work that there's not really any way to frame them that the other person wasn't actively trying to be horrible and harmful to me. And, you know, I, I wanted to take a bat over to one person's house. I wanted to punch another person in the throat. Um, I really felt for days this sense of, you know, could I justify driving by their house and hoping I struck them with my car? <laughs> and I just kept making phone calls. I mean, it really felt that way. Like, it's sort of funny now, like, uh, but at the time it wasn't funny at all. I really, like, my foot was itching and I just wanted to, you know, direct the vehicle. But I knew enough to make phone calls. And I just made phone calls. And, you know, the first phone call didn't work and the second one didn't work and the fifth one barely worked. And finally, by maybe eight or ten, yeah. It started to work. And I don't know if it's just because I got so tired and my jaw hurt from talking so much that I just, just was sick of the whole subject, but it started to work. And the next morning I woke up and there was maybe an hour where I didn't want to kill that person, and then I did again. So I made some more phone calls. And amazingly, over maybe three or four days, I came to see what the heart of it was. And then I was able to communicate with that person and say, here's my concern. And, and it 
I wasn't trying to elicit a response from them. I wasn't trying to manipulate them. It didn't really even matter to me how they took what I said or what they did with it. What mattered to me was that I felt like I was standing up for myself in a way where I could have self-respect after it on all sides because I felt like I conducted myself well and because I felt like I defended myself well. And every single part of that I've gained from working tools in this program and negotiating relationships in this program. You know, it's not easy. Like, I don't love everyone who is also a fucked up addict. But at least I know we all have a common goal that we're working towards, which is to be our authentic selves, which is to be free of compulsive overeating, and which is to, like, live the joy that I think the, our higher power wants for all of us. So with that shared goal in mind, I really worked my hardest to figure out how to listen well to my fellows. Um, how to do my service, how to show up, um, how to walk the walk. And wouldn't you know, that teaches me how to live my life with normal people. I think that's really all I have to say. Thanks. <laughs>